Hello and welcome to Three Flags Flying, podcast all about the Atlanta Braves. I am Brent Blackwell, joined as usual by Ryan Cochran. Ryan, how's it going? Brent, I've decided that I'm going to talk like Chip Carey and in every sentence like this. And then you're going to get really excited about things that aren't that exciting at random times. Yes, and Luke Jackson is pitching in the fifth inning. Runners on first and second, and that's what's going on. So every time he ends every sentence, and he goes down like this. Does it bother? Does it drive anybody else nuts? Yes, it drives me crazy. I mean, it's 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 literally fifteen to twenty times a game that he talks, and it's. Like this. Do you not? Do you notice that? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't because am I, I listen. I listen to podcasts while I'm watching the Braves. I just turn the really? TV. I turn the TV audio down. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you're I mean, a lucky one. Actually, I can follow yeah. Twitter. I can. I mean, I, I get like news updates off Twitter and. Uh, chew. Hang on, I gotta chew up this piece of ice, which is great for a podcast. But uh, um. No, I, I I just I get tired of listening to the announcers and I kind of I don't know I know it's I know it's happening so um, doesn't really matter to me if I if I could leave like the sounds of the game on I would uh, I like that I like the the background noise of the fans and the, the the ball hitting the bat and whatnot but eh, uh, if it and I, the the few times I hear it I hear somebody on the telecast say something it just uh, it drives me crazy the same way it does most people. I heard someone earlier, uh, I think a sideline reporter, uh, was describing Jesse Chavez and said, you know, he doesn't strike guys out, but he's uh, he, he he's effective. He gets, I was like, he has 14 strikeouts in his 10 innings this year. And uh, I, I know that's uh, it's not like amazing. It's a few shades away from indigo. Sure. But uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, it's 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 not good. bad. That was good. That it's was not good. bad. That was um, good. A few shades from indigo. That's great. That, that's how that's I describe good. guys with good with good strikeout numbers. But I mean, I know Chavez hasn't been a big strikeout guy in his career, but he was mowing them down in Gwinnett, and he's been mowing them down in Atlanta. So I tell you what, I like about the New York Mets, they've doubled down on that Geico sign. Geico, Geico. Yeah, so we're recording this in uh, the fifth inning. We're starting the fifth inning of game two of the Monday doubleheader. And, uh, and yeah, so we're, we're watching live. We did this a few times last year. I don't think we've gotten to watch a game live this year on, on the podcast. No, I don't think so, but there was one that we had a really good walk-off, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was great. Was was it Johan Camargo was, that walked it off? I thought it was Dansby for some reason. Maybe not. I, I don't know. Uh, um, it, was, it was somebody that played for the Braves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about tonight? I don't even know. Um, we are talking. Oh, nice play, Dansby. Uh, all right. So um, <clears throat> we're this is gonna this uh, podcast is mostly gonna be about the upcoming trade deadline. We've uh, crowdsourced some trade ideas, and uh, we're gonna hit all those. But first, you wanted to talk about minor leaguers and. Um, and prospects, and and I see that you've listed like twenty players on our on our list, and uh, it's going to be my job to like like hurry you through this list as fast as possible because if, if we spend time on these, we're, it's going to be like an hour and a half before we get to any uh, trades. 
I'm going to be doing some speed talking here. So yeah. I put out a, a Braves top 30 prospects last week. Just kind of wanted to give a rundown about some things. Um, Christian Pache was my number one. I still think that that the bat's coming around. The defense is going to be there. I think he's still probably the, the player with the high ceiling. So he, he's, on, he's on my number one. He's staying there. Um, surprising, a lot of people thought I'd put Michael Harris as number two, but I think Shea Langoliers is the number two in the uh, in in the Brave system right now. What do you think? I, I do too. I mean, it's I mean, it's the the glove was never a question, and if I mean a guy who's gonna catch, even if he can hit just a tiny bit, is a prospect. I mean, that's like Logan Brown is a prospect. Kinda. You know, it's it's a guy who can handle himself behind the plate is going to have a career. A professional baseball career may not be a, a great major leaguer necessarily, but like, I mean, even guys like Rene Rivera carve out long careers for themselves because they can catch. And so uh, that was really never a question. The question is how good a prospect he was, always centered around the bat, and the bat is breaking out this year. So, uh, and it's breaking ca- out at Mississippi. Yeah. And so <laughs> he's a catcher who can hit, and he's going to be able to be a catcher at the big league level. So, I mean, that's a yeah. I think that's a it's it's a big jump for me. So I, I would agree with you. My number three is Michael Harris. Moved him above Drew Waters simply because I'm still not uh, convinced that Drew Waters is going to be uh, MLB player. I think he might strike out too much. Let uh, me ask my you. Number, one, let me ask you yeah. one thing. Uh, I, I remember looking at your list and I, and I remember the top for sure. But I, I didn't. Did, were you limiting this to guys who were? Um, uh, still in the minors, or um... uh, no? I was limited to people that have not um, have not exceeded um, rookie status. Okay. So, and I don't, and I also have um, kind of a rule for myself: is I cut prospects off even if they haven't exceeded rookie status. I, I cut this off at like 20, age twenty five. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. So let me hear. Uh, so you had Waters at four. No. Oh, who, who's Kyle Muller? I'm after Kyle Muller developed. Uh, after Kyle Muller developed uh, some command and control, I think that that's. I mean, that, that was the only thing we were waiting on for him to just blow up. I mean, and that essentially came almost overnight with a uh, a simple mechanic adjustment. He was all arm in his um, in his wind up, and he got his arm. He shortened his arm to where there wasn't as much uh, error in his in his wind up. And it's made a huge difference, and and we're all seeing it at the major league level, just like we saw, just like I saw it right at the end of the minor league level. So Mueller is four, and which puts Drew Waters at five for me. Jock, now, Drew Jock Peterson with a single. We're getting the single into the sixth. I like it. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Like okay, um, I'm gonna only disagree with you on uh, the order of Mueller and and uh, Harris. I just think and who? Harris. I, th- I think a guy who's even like Muller, who's uh, looked looked good over his first twenty major league innings, that says something to me, and, and I do I do value uh, major league performance even in a small sample like this. And so the fact that he's already gotten to the majors and um, looked good here, even over a smaller sample, I'm I'll bump him up to third for that and put Harris four. And I agree with Waters being probably fifth. Although I don't know, you might be able to talk me into somebody else at five. Keep going. Tucker Davidson comes in at six for me. Um, he drops quickly if that left forearm tightness doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's proven well. William Contreras, I kept him at seven, and I'm I'm actually glad I did because the, 
guy is killing it at AAA. He's got a swing back. Um, I, I think we see him on the roster again in September. There's no way. Um, there's no way he should still be a rookie, though, right? Yeah, he is. He's got 152 major league at bats. Isn't that? Isn't it 130? Oh, it might be. I don't know. Yeah. Well, either way, well, if, if he's, he's, if he's he graduated. feels like he still feels like a prospect. I will give you that. But I think he's technically. I don't think you'll see him on any any more lists. But he's young. Hey, runners on first and second, no out, top of six, Brent. Oh, that's Always right. You just walked. You're ahead of me. He's he's uh he's three zero in my world. So yeah. I moved Spencer Strider all the way up to number eight. Um, he has not um, taken very well to Mississippi so far, but honestly, he needed to get to a place where he was challenged, and now he is. Um, I'm wa- waiting to watch him grow at Mississippi. Moving on, uh, Braden Shoemake. I still kept him at nine, and he I mean, I kept him in the top ten. He had a terrible start, Came along, uh, has been coming along strong. He's trending in the right way. He's... He still, you know, he still has a chance to be in the in the major leagues in in 2022. Um, this guy is the talk of the minor leagues right now, and I've got Jesse Franklin at 10. Um, he had another home run the other day. He is absolutely demolishing the baseball, um, and he he might people he might start making people forget about Michael Harris. Um, from there, Jared Schuster, kind of a boring pitcher, but he gets things done. He doesn't walk a lot. He doesn't put a lot of runners on. Um, and it's got a wicked changeup. Von Grissom comes in at 12, a guy that's a third base. Uh, he moved from short, uh, off a of shortstop because he's a big dude. Um, he's down at uh, the Florida Coast League. Um, no, no, he actually is. Uh-oh. Oh, oh man! Sorry, sorry. You just, you're gonna you see just that in a, just a second. You just pulled a Chip Carry, I bet. Uh, I mean, you are in Chip Carry mode, and uh, but yeah, I, I, I kind of was. It was it, anyway. You'll see it. Okay. Von Grissom at twelve. Uh, Bryce Elder at thirteen. He's uh making that 2019 draft class look. Uh, that 2020 draft class look really good. Uh, Rodri Munoz, we've heard from uh, David Lee, is at 14. Alex Jackson, man, he's doing something great, and I'm telling you, you say it, you see it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Freddie's upset. Peterson uh, moved almost, up there. That's something. Yeah, that's good. Alex Jackson's playing well at AAA, man. I think he needs he needs a shot. For crying out loud, he needs a shot somewhere. So he was 15. Freddie Tarnock is finally coming into his own, uh, doing really well at 16. Uh, Jared Johnson, kind of a guy that ha- we haven't seen a lot at 17, uh, has a big fastball. Victor Vodnett would probably be higher on this list if he hasn't been hurt. He's at 18 for me. Uh, a few shades away from Indigo Diaz, number 19. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, the guy is just raking everywhere he goes. He's just raking. And he's just, he just like, I mean, confidence is coming all out of this kid. So a really I don't think fun I'm- guy to root for. I don't think I've ever heard the term raking in reference to pitching. Yeah, he's raking. That's, that is, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it, it works. It's just uh, raking is hitting in my head. All right. Anyway, continue. I love, I love me some indigo. Uh, Justin Dean's coming in at my number 20. He's that, that, oh no, that did not just happen. You Ball on the inside corner. All right. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a good 30 seconds behind. Um, Jeez Louise. Jeez Louise. I appreciate right, you not Je- spoiling it for me. Go ahead. Sorry, I did. Uh, I'll, I spoiled the awfulness. Justin Dean comes in at 20. He's probably ranked higher uh, for me than he is for anybody oh, else. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go through my last uh, uh, 21, just give you some names. Joey Estes at 21, uh, only 19 years old, somebody to really watch out for. Darius Vines at 22. Daisbel Hernandez at 23. Caden Morton at 24. Uh, my man, uh, Mikey Backstrom. I, I'm not sure I say his name correct. I still haven't found the pronounce, pr- uh, pronunciation. Trey Harris at 26. Troy Bacon at 27, Ricky DeVito at 28, Brooks Wilson at 29, and your boy Cade Bunnell at, <laughs> nice. uh, at 30. Um, let me just ask you, if you had to, would you slot any draftees, uh, 2021 draftees, into this list, and where would you where would you put them just off first instinct? Uh, off of first instinct, I would... I have no idea. Yeah, I would have to trust other people and what they've talked, talked about. I haven't seen any of these guys actually play baseball. Right. But... Just uh, just in what I've seen in the past, I mean, the top three guys would would be in the in the top the first the top guy would probably be number nine. The the second draft pick would be in the you know in between fifteen and nineteen, and the other one the, there are a few other that might be you know in the back twenties. Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, nothing on uh, Ambioris uh, yet. You know, I I just don't feel comfortable ranking him. I, I I haven't seen him play at all. I mean, you want to be able to rank an international prospect, but he's literally not played stateside yet. Yeah. So I know Andy was pretty aggressive in his ranking of him uh, at OFR. I think he I think he ranked him about uh, like twelfth or thirteenth or something uh, immediately after he signed. But um, yeah, I, I, guys who are that far away, uh, I've just I don't know. I've I keep. I try to remember the lesson of uh, um, Kevin Mitan and all those others that have been big names on July 2nd, but not so much after. Okay, thanks, Ryan, for uh, taking us on the little tour of the top 25 prospects. Uh, if people want to read more on that, they can go to Braves Journal, and uh, it's just scroll down the page until you get to, I assume that's the name of the post. Yep, my Braves Journal Top 30 Prospects. Excellent. All right, well, uh, let's get to the main course for the evening, and that is the trade deadline. Um, what, uh, let's see, did you do you have anywhere to start, or should we just go ahead and jump into some hypotheticals? Yeah, let's, uh, well, maybe we can start by what, what do you think is the biggest need on the team? <sighs> I don't know. I, I mean, the biggest need on the team for me is some sense of direction for where this team is going this year. Like that's that's. I need to know. I need to know if we should buy or sell to begin with because uh, I haven't really seen a lot to show me that we should do either. Um, which is unfortunate because you'd like to have some confidence in one or the other. Uh, so. I mean, after today, the Braves are forty-nine and fifty. The Mets are fifty-two and forty-five. The Braves are four games back. Yeah. And actually, you know what? That's that's not true. Um, 
the Mets. The Braves are five games back now, I'm thinking. We are wherever yes. we woke up today. Yeah, we're five games back. But, so my question to you is this. Um, the Braves have lost 17 games in the seventh inning or later from the bullpen. Uh-huh. They are running out two, two below-replacement-level players in Almonte and Heredia on an everyday basis. They would only be running out one of them and probably platooning uh, platooning them um, if Acuna weren't hurt. And they wouldn't be platooning either one if the Ozuna wasn't a dumbass. But what do the Braves, in your opinion, have to fix in order to have any chance? How about that? Huh, yeah. Um, they need something better cooking in the outfield. Um, and, I don't know, just just uh, either another starter to... Uh, and, and I know we've got a lot of guys performing pretty well in the rotation right now, but I just feel like you can't have enough starters if you're making a, a run into uh, September and October. Um Plus, that trickles down. It helps. And, uh, you know, somebody like Bryce Wilson could be a multi-inning reliever down the stretch for us if, if you had, if you didn't have to rely on him for uh, starts like tonight. Um, and then, you know, bullpen, some bullpen help. Um, I'd, I, I mean, I, I think the team needs something better going on at catcher, obviously, but I... I don't know if that's really anything that's easy to find right now. Right, and if and if and if you're going to try to find that, you might as well look to your AAA team. It seems as good an option as as anything else that's realistic. Yeah, or even your AA team. I mean, Brian McCann did make the jump from AA to majors, but uh, most people think that that's not realistic in, in this day and age. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I agree. I think Shea Langoliers has been defensively ready. Um, since he was drafted, mm-hmm. so but that not might not be a talent you want to rush. But then again, did you want to rush Brian McCann? Right. I, I mean, it just depends on the player, I guess. But I I think we're probably uh, in agreement essentially that the Braves are probably three players away. They're probably mm-hmm. uh, a pitcher, whether it's a starting pitcher or a bullpen pitcher. They're in need of two pitchers. They're in probably need of at least one, um, you know, stud, stud, stud offensive player. I mean, if you get one guy, you got Jock Peterson, which is still not great. I mean, let's no. not let's not be let's let's not uh, you know put a crown on this dude's head. He's he's still not great. But if you if you get one player, um, you know, you can you can take Heredia and Almonte and do what you probably want to do with some people like that and put them in best chances to succeed and platoon them. So um, I do think we're probably three players three players away. Yeah, and it's that's that's a lot to be trying to find in, in late July. Uh, and even that is just maybe just getting us back to where we would have been with Acuna. And uh, like that's... It, it's going to take several players to replace him. Um, 
yeah, it's it's a tall order to make up for uh, five games on the Mets, and that's the problem is you pretty much have to win the division to to get in, um, which the the wild card is not. I think we're we're pretty far out in the wild card, and I I, I don't think it would surprise anybody if the Giants collapsed at some point because um, that was a, a team that's a big surprise, but. Um, you can't really bank on the Giants collapsing far enough. And not only that, you can't bank on the Giants collapsing and nobody else being better than you in catching the Giants uh, from, from this point on. So it's it, it's all of that that has to happen, which makes the wild card. And even then, you're, you're getting a 50-50 game against the Padres or the Dodgers. So that's no fun. So right. the, the wild card's really nothing to play for this year if you're the Braves. It, it is... Uh, division or bust, and I don't know. The division doesn't seem that easy. The Mets, I mean, the Mets haven't played up to their full potential either, I don't think. And they're uh, right, but they've also lost to Grom and Lindor for a while. Now. Yeah, so DeGrom was almost a guaranteed win, or it should have been, you know. But the, the thing, Brent, and this is where, um, where my faith still sticks around is. The war stat is not telling is not very telling whenever it comes to the Braves of 2021. I mean, the Braves have lost so many games that they were leading, you know, by two or three runs, they've lost them in the 7th and 8th and ninth innings because their their relief uh, core is has just fell apart. So, if you look at that um, and you go and grab two above average relievers that have not been uh, affected by the the new sticky rules that can make it that can make a big difference in this team yeah it could um, um, I, I'm curious what the war total for this team is and I think it is are you kidding me it's not available right there uh, um, I do know that we lead the or at least uh, one point recently, we led the East in uh, run differential. We've had the the best run differential, but uh, you and I were there at Truist Park on a night where the run differential is very misleading because when the Pittsburgh Pirates put in uh, Wilmer Defoe to pitch, yeah. that honestly those runs should not count <laughs> for our run differential. And the other night when the Braves won fifteen to three. And they scored, I think, six runs on a uh, on a position uh, player pitcher, and then they scored twenty runs again earlier this year. And I I can't remember if there was a position player at that point in time. It was a Mets game, right? It was against yeah. the Mets. Yeah, I can't remember um, the details of that game, but I'm sure they they put somebody in because every team does that now. So um, we're coming into today, we had scored thirty seven more runs than we had allowed. But when you account for games where teams just give up, and I don't recall if the Braves have had any of those games. Have we had any pit, uh, position players pitch this year? None. Okay. So when you account for games where pitchers just or teams just give up and put in jokes basically to run out the the innings, then that number probably gets cut in about cut in half or so. Yeah, and I, I think that's a that's a very good point. I'm I'm still sticking to the the reliever theory though. I mean, there's been so many games that the Braves won last year that they just haven't won this year, and it's it's because basically everyone sucked. The entire bullpen has sucked. Shane Green has been awful. Uh, Chris Martin 
uh, is a different pitcher now. It's just it just hasn't worked out. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I, it is hard for me. Usually, I have a pretty good idea of what a team should do at the deadline, and this year I don't really know. I don't think the team should be aggressive um, unless it finds good deals. I'm also not sure the team needs to necessarily sell um, <laughs> unless it finds the right deals, I guess. It's weird. It's a weird It's a weird deadline for the Braves because this team looks one game like they're going to, you know, they've figured it all out and they're going to be uh, turning the corner and then the very next day, uh, very next day or very next game, um, it all falls apart. And it's been a frust- well, I mean, frustrating thing to watch. When your bottom of the order is literally Arcia or Almonte, Heredia, um, and a subpar hitting catcher, when literally, whenever you factor in the pitcher to that and the fact that, that our pinch hitters have been bloody awful, including the Panda, if you look at that, I mean, that's almost half of your lineup that's mm-hmm. that's below replacement. And, not and only then that- you're not even, not even talking about Dansby, who's basically average. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say, not only that, but you've had to move the guys who should be in the bottom of the lineup into the top half of the lineup to replace guys you've lost. So now now Dansby Swanson is hitting in the top half of the lineup. And, uh, you know, if this team's fully healthy, Jock Peterson is probably not hitting in the top half of this lineup, even if he's on the team. Um, yeah, if they're fully healthy, Jock Peterson's not on this team this year. Right. Yeah, let's just I mean, say let's just say though that uh, let's say everything works out and Ozuna is never signed and the team just signs Jock in the offseason. and so he's been with the team uh, the whole time. But if everybody's healthy, he's hitting like seventh on this right on this team if everything's going sure. well. So um, yeah, so so it's a it's a top half of the lineup that's been weakened and the bottom half of the lineup has been gutted. So it's uh it's pretty bad. So. Let's go through some of the uh, trade deadline hypotheticals. And I started by listing some from a, uh, a website that it's I only listed these because they've been getting some traction. And I can tell the author, who I probably should have pulled his name, um, but uh, I could tell he was actually going off of, uh, he was probably using baseball trade values um, to, to try to balance these trades because they pretty much all are within five to ten million dollars uh, of of value for each other. So, I, I can tell you, he he's trying. Um, it's from the website Sports Talk Eight uh, Atlanta, maybe. Uh huh. Sports Talk Atlanta, Sports Talk ATL um, which is just a it's a uh, a website that covers all Atlanta sports and um, uh, Chase Early or Earl possibly is uh, the author of these. So um, I've seen some people retweeting this uh, this article back and forth. So uh, we'll just start with the first one he mentions, which is Atlanta sending Christian Pache, Drew Waters, Kyle Muller, Jared Schuster, and Trey Harris to Cleveland for Jose Ramirez. A, a five-for-one deal. What, what, what are your thoughts on this, uh, Ryan? This brings back nightmares of text, uh, Mark Teixeira. I mean, I love Jose Ramirez, but let's—he has three years of control, which is more than Teixeira had. 
But he's not the player to put this team over over the top. He is a great player, but you cannot invest all of your marbles into one dude. Not like that. Um, it's it's just too much. Um, I think if if and he's an MVP player, but you, you take you're literally you're literally selling what? I mean, how many of you're selling one, two, three, four? You're selling four guys with MLB futures in there for one dude. That's that's going to be there through 2023. Um, that's just a lot of control. I'm 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 not I'm not into the into the five to one trade. No. Yeah, neither am I. And I also don't think the Braves would trade Kyle Muller at this point um, if their intent right. is to win right now. Right. <laughs> like considering if, he's yeah. If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna include Muller in a trade for Ramirez, you do it in the off season. Um, because if the point is to win right now, you don't trade one of your better starting pitchers uh, right now without getting that in return. Um, also, I, I do think the baseball trade values, um, I think they might be a bit off with their valuation of Drew Waters right now. Um, I know he's had a hot uh, few weeks to, to kind of turn around the, the bad start to his season, but um, they've got him basically as the most valuable Braves prospect um, actually, they might have Langoliers higher. I'm not sure. They do not actually have Langoliers higher. No. So they've got Waters as our most valuable trade piece. And I know why, because I know how they do it. And that's they they um, they take preseason rankings and scouting reports, and then they adjust based on performance and how things, how guys have fared at different levels. And so... Because Christian Pache struggled terribly at the major league level this year, they docked him a lot. And um, Michael Harris, they've bumped up, and Shea Langoliers, they've bumped up, but they were further behind Waters because Waters was a top 100, maybe even a top 50 prospect coming into the season. So he's, he's I think they've docked his value a tad, but not a ton. So I, I don't know that it's necessarily accurate to, for them uh, to have Waters as our most valuable trade piece, but he is valuable, as is Pache and as is Muller. I I think the value works out about right on this, but I don't I don't think it makes a ton of sense for the Braves uh, to be yeah. making this trade this week, at least. All right, um, so we're both giving that one a no. So second is uh, Christian Pache and um, Kyle Wright to Minnesota for Byron Buxton and Taylor Rogers. I would do this trade. Um, first off, Byron Buxton, he's he's been injured, but he is he is a crazy talent. And if the Braves could get him back and convince him that Georgia is his home again, because he's he's from Georgia, and you don't have to worry about uh, getting rid of Pache. If you could extend him for three years and and get Buxton here for for five years and let him work through his stuff. Um, that's a great that's a great thing. I do I do think though that if you're looking at this, you're probably gonna have to give Pache and Wright just to get Buxton. I don't think you're gonna get Taylor Rogers with that as well. So if you want somebody like that, you probably have to up the ante from Wright and, and give something like Pache and maybe Tucker Davidson, who ha- who has um M- has MLB success in his pocket. Yeah, I just I don't know. Um Last time he batted 300 times in a season was 2017. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely a risk. Um, and but I, I'm there for the talent. Talent's there, and the talent's undeniable. And boy, it's been on display when he has played this season. I mean, this line yeah. this year is three sixty nine, four oh nine, seven sixty seven. So uh, he's been incredible for the twenty seven games that he's played. Um, yes. So that's that's the caveat with Byron Buxton. It's that's why his value is that's it's why he's a tradable player. That's why you could trade for him. I'm gonna guess the Braves value. Pache a little higher, um, a little more highly than this. And you kind of, I don't know, you can't bank really on a, uh, a an extension happening because it doesn't really make a lot of sense for Buxton to sign an extension. He could probably get more. Um, if you're a player like that, you kind of always have to bet on yourself playing a full season. Um, so I would guess that Buxton would probably not want to sign an extension until he could, in his mind, he's going to be healthy in 2022. And he's going to go out and be an MVP top player and then get $300 million Yeah, in a, in a contract. Um, also, I, I'm with you. I think that Taylor Rogers is uh, too much icing on the cake in this trade. Um, so I, yeah. I think, I think it's unlikely Minnesota accepts, but it's not a terrible, uh, terrible idea. Um, third, we have, uh, Pache, Kyle Muller, Kyle Wright, to Texas for Joey Gallo and Ian Kennedy. How about this one? You go. Uh, boy, I feel like we're going to be discussing these same few guys a lot, uh, specifically Pache and, uh, and Wright. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's not, once again, it's not a, it's not a terrible offer. It's pretty equitable on both sides. I think that, um, I still think that the Braves are, would not be looking to include Muller in a, in a trade right. to help win right now. And, um, I can see why Texas, this might appeal to Texas, but They're rebuilding their rotation. But they might be able to get more. I mean, can can Texas really sell their fans on Kyle Wright as a as a real piece of the rotation going forward? Um, I, I don't well, know. think about what happened with Colby Allard. I mean, he went over there and performed pretty well. So yeah, I think Kyle Wright still has potential. Okay, what about you on this trade? <coughs> You're allergic um, to this trade. Yeah, I am. I'm allergic to this trade. Uh, once again, I I agree with you. The, the trade adding Mueller doesn't really make sense. You can take anybody and probably think they're seventeen million dollar value. And I mean, right now the Braves would be it would be absurd to to trade Mueller or Tukey, who look you know reborn um, and look like whenever you build a team off of pitching, you don't want to. Sorry, build build a system back on pitching, and so a lot of the pitching hasn't come to fruition. And then you got two guys that are throwing the ball like mad, like they are. You don't trade them when you're trying to win. So you trade them. You trade them if you're trying to lose and trying to build your system back up. So I don't under. I I wouldn't put uh, Mueller in this trade. Uh, and I mean, Gallo is awesome, but. 
Gallo is also a guy that has had ups and downs. He's he was not great last year. He was he's really good this year, but mm-hmm. he strikes out a ton. And the Braves already have a ton of guys that strike out a ton. So maybe grabbing another power bat that you know will hit 40 home runs but only have like 120 hits might not be the best play for the Braves. And also, you know, for as great of a slugger as he is, his slugging average isn't even over 500 this year. Yeah. So you're getting a guy who's really good at getting on base. He's really good at drawing walks, but um, he's uh, and he's got the power comes through when he does make the contact. But um, I, I think I, I see a lot of like analytics Braves Twitter rolling their eyes at people who worry that Gallo strikes out too much, but he might strike out too much. I mean, he he is. Uh, an 860 OPS is is useful, but it's uh, there there are holes in that game, and uh, and I mean yeah. a guy with his power should be slugging 500 or better, I think. Yeah. So, which he's only done twice in his career, even a year in which he hit 40 home runs, he slugged 498 because he hit 206. Um, yeah. So he at times is going to make you think he's a 900 OPS guy when he's Really more of an 800 to 850 OPS guy. But th- there's value in that. I don't... Do you think the... I- I've always been a big fan of teams that have kind of diversified lineups. I don't want a team with too many contact guys. I don't want a team with too many power, uh, three true outcomes guys. Do you think the that Gallo would be a good fit for the Braves? Or a a problematic fit for the Braves? Like, do we have... Are we already skewed too much in the three true outcomes area where we could use we would have more use for a, a contact guy necessarily um, if you could pick let's just say value is equal let's say you have two outfielders who offer you the same OPS the same you know quality of play but they do it in two different ways which one would you choose would you choose a more contact maybe batting average oriented addition to this team. Or would you choose a more uh, empty batting average, but uh, power? Well, maybe not empty batting average. It's the wrong term, but like a more um, low batting average, high uh, slugging option. I think I'm going with a higher batting average, higher higher on base percentage, lower slugging. I think this lineup needs extended. I think this lineup could really use the leadoff hitter. Yeah, and and somebody that that can get on base and run a little bit. Um, and I and I'm not like going for traditional leadoff hitter here, but I'm, I'm I am saying a, a, a leadoff hitter that got on that had a 300 batting average with a 360 on base percentage with a 430 440 slugging percentage would be great a great addition to this team um, and lengthening that down and 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 where you can look at your lineup and be confident in your top six or seven, not in your top four and a half. Yeah, I agree. I, I, that's why I brought it up. I always liked the, uh, and maybe, I, I don't think he quite came through on it by the time we were making the playoffs, but I did like the different style of play that Nick Markakis had uh, at the plate, which was he was uh, he was a different type of hitter. And I, I do think teams thrive when they have guys like Joey Gallo, but also guys like, uh, maybe Nick Markakis is not who I want to say here, but someone who is 
more contact oriented and more batting average driven um, because then there are there are ways that the lineup can get to pitchers differently so uh, I do like a more diverse lineup and we seem to have a, a few of the we seem to be doing still fairly well in the power department um, but go, going back I mean, to this if you trade get somebody like I mean, the year that the Braves had Michael Bourne in 2012, 274 yeah. batting average, 348 um, on base percentage, 391 slugging. That's not great, but the dude got on base a, a good bit, stole bases, played good center field. You didn't have to worry about that. He was a solid addition to to that Braves team. And you look at his stat line, and you're not going to be wild. You're you're going to look at it and be like, oh, 274, 348, 391 slash line. But that extends the lineup. He yeah. gets on base. He he. They have to focus on him whenever he's on on the base pass. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. And I know this is old school mentality baseball, but it's valuable. It yeah. was valuable, and and I I think this is the year that 2012. I think it's the year that Hayward, Bourne, and Prado all had uh, five war seasons. I think that's the year um, that that happened. And and I tell you what. It was valued in the Major League Baseball that year because he was an all-star and he was 18th in the MVP voting. Yeah, I think these these are skills that used to be overvalued, but that doesn't mean that they should be, you know, not valued at all. And right, I, I do think they still have value. And um, and, and yeah, so so I can understand why people who uh, they look at Joey Gallo's stats and they just think, not. I mean, it's just more strikeouts and. Um, just trying to hit long balls, which isn't what this team needs. And I think Joey Gallo would improve this team, but is he the best player to trade prospect capital for to improve this team? I don't know. Um, but this was a fairly, I think it's a fair trade in, in terms of uh, value, but um, I don't think Texas is really looking for somebody like Kyle Wright right now. I think, I mean, if you're going to trade Ian Kennedy, just get some, Get some guys who have more team control and more and, and less struggles at the major league level. I think, um, right, from some team. Moving on, uh, Mueller. Let's skip the next one. It has Mueller again, so let's <laughs> skip that one. It's hang on. It's the only Cubs trade I think we have. So okay, all right, Mueller, Davidson, and Wright. Kyle Mueller, uh, Tucker Davidson, and Kyle Wright to the Cubs for Chris Bryant. And Craig Kimball. Um, no, I still won't do this. I mean, I'm, I will say, I'm, I will give him one thing on this one, and that is that, yeah, he subtracts a starter, but he at least adds useful pieces and, like, two useful pieces. Um, yeah. The thing for me here is I think that Craig Kimball's value is undervalued here. And, and one of the reasons why is... Dominant starters, I mean, dominant closers like him and what he has been this year go for a ridiculous amount of capital at, at the trade deadline. Yeah. I, and I, so you might have to triple his value here. I, I think what will realistically happen is I think the Cubs will get better prospects in return and the Cubs will just eat some money. Um, maybe. Maybe. I don't know if they'll have to. I mean, who's, who's the other... Who's the other big time reliever on the market? Well, you just—I think they may have to eat some money because I think teams' budgets tend to be a little tighter around this time of the year. So yeah, and Kimbrel is a high priced guy. He was due for what sixteen million dollars uh, over the course of the season, so he's probably still due for 
what is that seven six seven million um yeah so um the cubs may pick up three or four million just to get a better uh package of uh, prospects for him you know if the braves decide they're going to sell i mean they could interrupt this a little bit and throw will smith out there on the market too if they sell they absolutely should because yeah, Will Smith is—he's a decent reliever, and he's—he's he's done a good job converting saves this year. Although that's not the, the hardest thing for a reliever to do, um, it's—he's—he is not somebody the Braves would sign to a two-year, twenty-six million dollar deal uh, for this year and next year. If they had—if they had that opportunity, they would cancel that contract, I think. So, um, and spend that money elsewhere. But. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, though. I don't see that trade happening. I think the I think the Cubs would do... I, I don't think teams like to bundle these players in, in these trades this way at this time of year. I think the Cubs want to see as much as they can get for Bryant in one deal and then as much as they can get for Kimbrell in another, and it's very unlikely that a single team is going to satisfy both of those. Um, yeah, the Twins have already said they would they would, they would would like to bundle. Which was an interesting thing. Oh, really? I guess that yeah. I guess they want um, higher end prospects and not as not as big of a package. Yeah. So if 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 it if adding, you know, uh, Buxton and Berrios in one deal gets them, you know, a a top ten MLB prospect, then then they might do it. That makes sense. So if the Cubs were to bundle Bryant and Kimbrell, they should be looking for Christian Pache in this instead of three pitchers, one of which has a forearm strain that might put him out for 18 months. Sure, or, yeah, or Drew Waters. Yeah, this is this is actually, I know the value is there. This is a pretty bad deal for Chicago. That's a, it's a disappointed fan base to walk away. I mean, Kyle Muller's good, um, but you're walking away with a guy who might not pitch until 2023, and Kyle Wright, who has been, you know, occasionally great and occasionally a, a very often a train wreck you are you getting mushroom kyle or are you getting moonshine moonshine kyle? i don't know so uh yeah so it's it's a i don't like that trade for chicago at all um finally tucker davidson jared schuster and kyle wright to miami for starling Marte. honestly i think this is a a fairly fair trade i don't I, I, I don't like essentially build, rebuilding their rotation here um, and having to see these three guys. And I don't think the, this is not something the Braves, I don't think, would do. Um, not for one year of Marte. If they're going to sell these three guys, which is you know two, <laughs> two first-round picks, they're not going to sell, sell them for one, for, for one year of, of Starling Marte. Yeah, again, I also think that the Miami would just want something – just why not just get one better prospect? I mean, I, I know it's harder to find those in trades, but um, I don't I don't see why just Schuster, Schuster and Wright uh, wouldn't just get this deal done. I don't know why Davidson needs to necessarily be in here, but um, I don't know. Maybe yeah. there's a maybe there's a hot market for him more more than I think. But uh, all right, so those were the sports talk ATL deals, which were not not terrible. They were not nothing we laughed at. Uh, I think if if one side called up the other and proposed this, every one of them would be considered um, and, and discussed internally. But um, I, it was hard for me to just say, yes, this makes sense for both teams on, on any of them. And that's why trading at the deadline is hard. Um, yep. 
So uh, we'll go to our mailbag now. This is we we we, we crowdsource some ideas. So uh, this is from uh, at Sports Guys, or I'm sorry, at Sports Guy Shows. I am not saying that should do it, but they should do it. But with the Braves not making the playoffs this year, with the Braves not attempting to keep Freddie long term, well, those are a couple of assumptions, but they're they may very well be correct. As painful as it might be to say, uh, the Dodgers offer you two top. Uh, two to eight range and a prospect in the twenties range for Freddie. Would you do it? So I, I think he means um, two of yeah, the Dodgers' get, top eight prospects and one of their top thirty. Beyond that, yeah, but not their number one prospect though. But it's two in the top between second and eighth, and another one in the twenty range. So three prospects for Freddie Freeman. Would three. you do it? Well. I've I've written this a few times and I've said this. It, Freddie Freeman trading Freddie Freeman involves knowledge that I do not have. So I'll say this: if I've sat at that negotiating table and I believe that Freddie Freeman is earnest in, well, two things: if I believe that uh, my boss Alex Anthopoulos really wants to re-sign Freddie Freeman, if if, if the Braves earnestly want Freddie Freeman to stick around. And if we've talked to Freddie Freeman and his people, and they really do want to work something out, and there is going to be a, uh, you know, a, a very fair exchange of negotiations at the conclusion of this season, or even before, then I do not trade Freddie Freeman at all. Um, if, however, we have had those contact and one side, and Alex Anthopoulos has, has told you know told us internally, I'm, I'm putting myself in the front office here, if he has told us. I don't want Freddie. I, I'm not investing five, six years in a guy deep into his 30s. Or if you've heard from Freddie Freeman's camp and they've said, our starting talk is, you know, six years, 200 million. Then if you're that far away and you know right. this isn't going anywhere, um, right. if one side is being, is basically shut off any possibility of an extension, then at that point, um, yeah, I would entertain trading, but and I I would suffer the fallout that the fan base would uh, would hand you uh, over over that move if those were the case. Now, that's the thing, though. I don't think that's the case. I think that right. the Braves would like to have Freddie on a four or five year deal uh, that's in the twenty something million range per year, and I think that Freddie Freeman probably wants to stay in Atlanta and wants to have something that's fair to him, but also you know, works to help the team win. So I think that I, I see it hard making that, but let's just assume, let's just assume that Freddie Freeman has told you internally, you know, make me a, a Mookie Betts type offer or something. And uh, as ridiculous as that would be, if you have that knowledge, Ryan, and you've decided to trade Freddie Freeman, would this be enough? Sure. It would be enough, but I'm going to point to one thing, and he's using the Dodgers. And all you got to do is look up Max Muncy and say that he has a 973 OPS this year as their primary first baseman. Dodgers aren't going to be investing in somebody like Freddie Freeman. They're, that's not who they're going to go after. And Dodgers might be the only team. They're not They're not the only team that would go after him. So you can scratch the pretty much the Dodgers' name from this. They're, they're not going to be putting Freddie Freeman over at third base. Yeah, Max Muncy can play second base, but they can also go get a second baseman. That would make much more sense. But 
I mean, sure, this is enough to get. This is a crazy overpay for Freddie Freeman. A crazy overpay. Yeah. To to give something like that, and that's probably what it would take for the Braves to to give him up. But let's let's be real. Let's stop talking about this. They're not trading him. They're not trading him. They're not. He's not going anywhere. It's it's it's. Let's just stop talking about it. Good. Moving on. Uh, at JT Hornbuckle, Buxton or bust. That's that's all he. That's, what, what, I love. You? I, you get a good center fielder. It, it changes a lot of the dynamics of this team. Let, let me you ask can, you: What is your offer for Byron Buxton? Let's say the Twins say. Let's say the Twins have dealt away everybody else that's useful. All you can offer is for Buxton. I want honestly. This sounds crazy, but I want Buxton and Donaldson. And I know that people are going to tell me that there's no money for Donaldson. But what if what if what if Osuna's contract's void? Then there is money for Donaldson. Right now, what I see on the Braves team is they seem and it and it seems like it's come from Snicker. There's just not a lot of fire in them. I see lack of passion. I mean, they they are doing these celebrations or whatever, but. And look, baseball is not about passion. It's about producing, and not you don't have to be exuberant um, and angry and stuff. But you know that that 2018 team came out of nowhere, and a lot of it had to do with I think with Josh Donaldson's fire that he pumped into the team. Um, I loved him on this team. I thought he brought a dynamic that the Braves needed. It, they probably he probably pushed them to be a little bit more you know cocky and confident in themselves. I would love him back. So my my thing is, if you're going to go to, go down the Twins alley and you want to grab Donaldson, I mean Buxton, why don't you bring Donaldson with you? Yeah, I just think the team needs. I, I don't know. I don't know that they can get out of the Ozuna deal that easy. And uh, maybe gotta, not. Um, it'd be nice if the if you could send what what if you could send Drew Waters and Marcelo Ozuna. And another prospect to the Twins for those two. Yeah, well, I would do it tomorrow. Yeah. You, yeah. And what do they do? Do they release Osuna? Yeah, I mean, then it's just their head. They, they get to figure out kind of what to do. Uh, I think in this day and age, these I think the last deal like that is, was probably over and done. I think the, the Hector Oliveira deal is the last time somebody's going to take that stuff on. I mean... I, I can't imagine that, that something like that would work out. Yeah, it's it's unlikely. Um, but uh, I think that's the same reason the Braves are... It's going to be hard for the Braves to add somebody like Donaldson at the deadline. Um, sure. We keep hearing money, though. We don't know what that means. But, I mean, Braves are leading the league in, in attendance, so... And you know, if you're, you have, if also you're, if you're sure that Freddie's walking at the end of the year, if you happen to have that knowledge... You could acquire Donaldson, stick him at third, and uh, Austin Rowley could be your first baseman starting next right. year. Yeah. So, um, okay, Timmy on uh, Twitter. It's uh, at uh, D I S I W W N. Um, he pitched a couple of trades to us, and these are going to feature some names we've already talked about: um, Jose Ramirez and Emmanuel Clase for Contreras, Pache, Davidson, Austin Riley. Uh, and Bryce Wilson. Wow. Um, yeah. Once I'm, again, 
the the whole thing with with piling up a bunch of players just I don't know, man. That's that's giving away five, 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 fifteen, nineteen. That's giving away like twenty four years <laughs> of team control. A team just can't. A team like the Braves just can't do that. Why is Cleveland going to trade five and a half years of Clace? Also, um, because they would be dumb to turn that deal down. To get all that talent, and I mean it's. Yeah, but, I mean maybe maybe they they deal him. He's. You've just bought your catcher, your center fielder, a starting pitcher, a third baseman, and maybe another starting pitcher and a shortstop for a year that you could flip. I mean it's. You bought an entire infield. Yeah. Uh. Timmy, I, I, I appreciate you on Twitter a lot, but things like this are just, you know, it's, it, it's. Well, you just don't really thing. see it's, it. Yeah, you don't, you don't see these kind of. I mean, we, the, I can't. Remember, the last time we saw it was, in the Braves thing was Teixeira, and, and unless you were trying to get out of money, and that's, I mean, you can go back to the Hector Oliveira trade, but. But we, we also didn't trade anybody that meant as much to that team as Austin Riley does to this team, in that trade. Yeah. You know, so, and, and here's another thing that I've really been paying attention to. Since since Alex Anthopoulos has gotten his guys into the draft room, which was after 2018, so the 2019, the 2020, and the 2021 draft periods, Alex Anthopoulos has shown a willingness to spread the money, to go under slot at you know the first picks and to spread the money. I mean, he's given like three guys that should have gotten like a hundred fifty thousand dollars. He's given them like four seventy five, three seventy five, four twenty five. He did the same thing last year and the year before. Um, so what I'm seeing is Alex Anthopoulos doesn't like putting all of his eggs in one basket in the draft, and I cannot imagine he would want to do that with prospects either. I mean. Think about like if you grab Jose Ramirez and then he tears his Achilles, and you've yep. just given away twenty four years of uh, of experience, and you don't get I mean twenty four years of control. Um, and what if one of just one of those guys, let's say Pache, what if he becomes a star and somebody has him for five years for cheap? I mean, as a team like the Braves or as anyone, you this is just way too much, way too much to give up. Yeah. Also, you're just not. You don't do that to your locker room either. In in late July, is you don't right. trade Austin Riley if you're trying to win now. And right, it's the kind of trade you might do in the off season, where people are going to have a chance to deal with the, the what happened. You you, you 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 upgrade a guy like Austin Riley in the off season if you really want to. But he's been very good for this team, and you just, I mean, what was the last contending team that traded a really good young offensive? Uh, player who is already excelling at the major league level, uh, I, I can't think of it ever happening. Right. So even even in a trade like this, where it, it would balance out, but uh, Timmy did get the values about right. If uh, yeah. the teams were interested in this, um, here's another one from Timmy: uh, Contreras, Pache, and Dansby Swanson to Texas for Gallo and Jonathan Hernandez. I'm not real familiar with Texas, so I'm gonna have to look up Jonathan Hernandez. Who has not played this year? Um, is 
a reliever, 2.90 ERA last season. That's all. Um, yeah, I don't. I I I knew he hasn't played this year, and I don't necessarily know why he put him in here. I wonder if he was just looking at values. Um, so um, you can kind of void that. Well, this hang on. Why in the world does Texas want Dansby Swanson? Is my next question. Uh, if Texas is rebuilding and they're trading Joey Gallo, then they're not looking to win in twenty twenty two. If they're looking to win in twenty twenty two, they're keeping Joey Gallo. So. If they trade Joey Gallo, why do they want a shortstop who is going to be, uh, I mean, not not expensive, expensive, but he's going to cost eight to ten million dollars next year, and right. and he uh, hasn't been above average really, and that's that's his last year. Then he's walking. He's leaving Texas in a year, it, and you don't even know if you're going to get a, a offer him a qualified or make him a qualified offer if if that's still a thing. Who knows if that's even a thing a year from now, but. Uh, Swanson being in here is just uh, I don't I don't see why Texas would have any interest in this trade. Um, so uh, they sh- they would certainly have interest in Pache and Contreras, I would think. But uh, you need to go elsewhere besides Swanson. I think you could um, break basically break this. I know the the values don't add up, but you could basically break this thing down to Contreras and Pache for Joey Gallo, and probably pretty close. And I know that Gallo's valued at forty three point four million, but dropping Pache to twenty two point one is a huge blow, and it's also not valuing uh, Contreras uh, very well right now either. I think he's more. I think Pache is probably more of a twenty five million guy, and. Contreras is probably a fifteen million guy. Once you get to that, you're you're right at you're right at that um, for Gallo. So you've you've looked at a good bit of these numbers here, just because I, I threw them in the uh, in in the doc. But um, this one this is one that's not in the doc. Where would you value what what just off the hip would you value Mike Soroka at? Because he's got he's, he's got what a, three years left of team control. Yeah, he's such a, he's such an unknown. I think they have him at about eleven, which I mean, that's if you want to bet on him, you might you might hold on to him. But it also wouldn't surprise me if he winds up being zero, kind of. I mean, yeah. it's just it's so anything is possible for him, good or bad. Yeah. Um. He he would be interesting to work into a trade discussion. Um. Uh, this is off the uh, the OFR Facebook group. Andy Harris proposed a trade of Travis Darno. And Tyler Matzik to Seattle for uh, Matt Brash and Isaiah Campbell. And um, this is the first trade that goes in the other direction. This is the first sell trade that we've seen. Um, I don't know much about these players. I def- you know, I barely know the Mariners. I, I, I definitely don't know, uh, you know, prospects for the Mariners. Matt Brash has not played in the majors. Um, and Isaiah Campbell, Matt Brash is putting up a lot of eye popping numbers. I mean, for, for me, if the Braves are going to end up trading and they're going to, and they're going to go out there and trade some, trade some proven commodities for for uh prospects this this deal is fine it's mm-hmm. it, they're both these are both promising looking players that could make the uh, major league baseball or could not i'm still uh just not convinced that 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 selling is the right thing to do at this point in time 
I mean, with everything that the Mets are going through, um, and I think I think the Braves, if they get the replacement players and replacement level on the bench, and they get good players and into their spots, I think there's a big there could be a big change. And who knows? I mean, the Braves could do something like grab Adam Duvall and and somebody to platoon with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't doesn't take you don't have to go out and buy an everyday player. You can go out and buy some buy some platoons and put together. Um, you know, a pretty good outfield. Yeah. But they need relief. If they do sell, uh, if they do sell, I I think this is a a realistic deal. I do think that uh, Tyler Matzik is somebody, I I think the Braves, it it would make a lot of sense for us to trade Tyler Matzik if we decide to sell because this is a guy who, for whatever reason, either Brian Snicker doesn't trust him enough or... Uh, Tyler Matzik, uh, due to his you know his, his issues in the past, just hasn't can't hasn't been able to quite nail down these high leverage situations. Um, and right. it's hard it's hard for me to know whether he's just not not trusted enough or if um, he's a pitcher who looks better in his numbers than you can actually use him as in in, in real life. So. Um, it, it's it's one of the two. The Braves are either underusing him or they're using him properly. But either way, I think he probably has more trade value than he has value to the Braves. Um, yeah. And if that's the case, then I think it would make a lot of sense to trade him and to let some other team kind of see if they can uh, either thrust him into a high leverage role and see if he can thrive there, or find out the hard way that he can't. It's it's going to be one or the other. Um, and, and actually, I, I was. Because he's pitching like, at least before the sticky stuff came around to bite him a little bit, he was pitching like an elite reliever, but being used like uh, Edgar Santana. So, yeah. um, yep. and, and so it's. You, you can't have always... you heard Edgar Santana's elite now? Well, he is. He is better than we've. Uh, I, I do think that one of. Uh, one of my grops for Snicker this year is he should he should be using Edgar Santana more in better situations. Not not the highest leverage, but he should be moving him from low leverage to like medium leverage where where like Luke Jackson is. Um, medium, yeah. And that's the end of our podcast. <laughs> you you're not an Edgar Santana fan? No, I was just I'm not a Chip Carey fan, so I'm just going to keep doing that. Oh, got it. Um. Okay, we have an offer from uh, Mike Mole um, on Twitter. Shay Langoliers, which is probably going to automatically get a, uh, uh, a no vote from Ryan. Shay Langoliers, Christian Pache, Drew Waters, Bryce Wilson to the Miami Marlins for Trevor Rogers. Once again, all your eggs in one basket. One basket. You just can't do this. Especially with... So, Mike, let me let me uh, break down my theory on this. What is the most volatile injury position in Major League Baseball? DH. No, wait. <laughs> P- pitcher. What kind of pitcher? Um... Uh, like, uh, what do you mean? Um, starting pitcher? Starting pitcher? What else? What kind of starting pitcher? Starting pitcher that does what? That throws hard? There we go. <laughs> so we've, we've hit the nail on the head now. 
We've got a starting pitcher that throws hard. They're good to have when you can keep them. When you can keep them. But are you really willing to risk Langoliers, Pache, Waters, Wilson, all of those guys for one dude that could be good? He truly could be good. He's He's been good. But are you going to risk that for... You know, one dude, no. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm. Uh, I think Langoliers and Pache are undervalued on the the trade values site, and I am. Uh, uh, so that turns this into an overpay for me. And again, uh, I don't. I don't love. I don't love this deal. I don't hate it. I don't. I don't hate it. But it's just. Uh, it's one that just doesn't do a lot for me but then again I, i'm a little more pessimistic on this season so um but the, you know even even now think i mean the braves have been a, the braves have been pretty solid have they've been a good team that has put t- glued together ca- decent catchers in the past and catching is just absolutely awful this year yeah and you don't you don't trade away your one like proven MLB-ready defensive catcher that's breaking out um, whenever you build a team on pitching. Yeah. I, mean, I, will, do that. I will say this for Mike, that you catching prospects tend to not be as... Uh, if you're looking at different positions, catching prospects are the ones who are probably least valuable compared to their prospect status over those first six years of, of control just because it takes catchers years to kind of get to uh, just think of Travis Darno. He's a great example of seen as a bust. Everybody thought he was a, a terrible trade acquisition for the Mets and it he was just a late bloomer and a lot of a lot of big prospect catchers are late bloomers. Not all of them are. You get guys like uh Buster Posey, Brian McCann who are instantly great right out of the gates, yeah. but you you do have a lot of guys who just it just takes them a while and um that's why I, I, I generally have the rule where I, I don't really mind trading away catchers that much, but Langoliers has had a real breakout, and um, I think the Braves have, I mean, we don't really have a lot going on for us at the catcher position, um, and so I, I would probably value him a little more highly just for that reason. But I can, I can easily understand why someone's not hesitant to part with a catching prospect because they don't, it takes them a while to pay off, even when they do pay off. It just takes a lot of patience uh, very often. Right. All right. I had a trade idea. Um, and uh, my trade offer was going to be, in case the Seattle Mariners don't feel like they're in uh, optimal trade position, uh, my trade was going to be off to offer them Tucker Davidson and catcher Logan Brown for Jake Fraley. Um, I will admit, I didn't put a lot of thought into Logan Brown's selection. He's just a, a, a guy who probably will catch at the major league level because he has some defensive chops and he is, uh, you know, he, he's a prospect who can probably play for you one day. And then Davidson has some real upside. I chose Jake Fraley because he's a, he's an outfielder who hasn't gotten a, I don't think a ton of playing time. Um, he is fairly, he, he has some limitations. He's, uh, he's got some power and he has got some on base He's a lower batting average guy. He's he's gonna he's like Joey Gallo, but with uh, not nearly as much power. Um, 
he he has a bit a few of those same traits, but um, just not to the extremes. So um, he he's he's a guy who's cost controlled for a few years, and it just seems like a player who would be useful to have now, and he would be useful to have later, and he would have a fairly low uh, point of uh, like cost cost uh, price point. I guess is what I'm I'm getting at. Um, I don't think Jake Fraley would cost that much to acquire if the Mariners were uh, were up for moving him. So, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's a guy that just kind of spun out for a few years um, in Seattle's uh, organization um, and then had a really good beginning at AAA, and they just gave him a chance. Probably it was, maybe it was Kyle Lewis injury. I don't know. Um but he's he's played well. I mean, he's got the one thing that he does, and um, he's done it uh, pretty much his entire minor league career. Is he gets on base, so you know that's that's always a good thing to see. See a guy that that gets on base a lot. Um, you know, I I think I, Brent, you've probably put up here the most realistic trade <laughs> that we've seen yet. Um, with the exception of Seattle's probably not selling, considering that I think that they are. I mean, I think they're winning like a game or a few game or two out of the wild card. They are. Um, um, they are. I think a game and a half out of the wild card. But I, I don't know. This I think the Mariners could be one of those teams that's like you. You have it every few deadlines where some team that's right in the thick of the race is just like, yeah, we know we don't belong here. Um, we're not going to gut this team. We're not going to sell everything, but we're not pushing our chips in. And we might even do a soft sell uh, to an extent. And because there's no way the Mariners, even if they've got three games or uh, a game and a half on the Yankees or whatever it is right now, there's no way they can, they really think that they're going to outplay the Yankees to that extent going down the stretch. Um, and they're not catching the Rays or the Red Sox. And, they're not catching the Astros, probably. So right. they pretty much have to catch the A's and uh, also hold off the Yankees. Um, yeah. That's tough. That, that's going to be hard. And if the Blue Jays are buyers, which there's been rumors the Blue Jays might be buyers, then uh, that complicates things even more for the Mariners. So, um yeah, this is this is a team that I'm just not buying it. I mean, Fangraphs has their playoff odds at five percent, lower than right. ours, lower than ours. So, yeah, I don't know. I think Seattle should uh, be um, more realistic with themselves and give me the player I want. <laughs> I mean, I'd be fine with this trade, especially with the emergence of Kyle, of Kyle Wright. I have two trade ideas, Brent. Okay, what do you got? First one I've kind of already talked about. Um, and everybody will probably know my, my cell. I, I've never really believed in the skill set of this guy, and hopefully I'm proven wrong. Um, Byron Buxton, Josh Donaldson for Drew Waters. Yes, you can still trade Ender Enciarte all the way up to the trade deadline. Ender <laughs> Enciarte. So he's just going over there to kind of balance out some cash for the 2021 20, uh, season. Yeah. So Byron Buxton and Josh Donaldson for Drew Waters, Ender Enciarte, and Tucker Davidson. Now Donaldson's contract is underwater already because of just the amount of money it's costing and the fact that he's had a hard time getting on the field. It was and probably Buxton, underwater the day he the ink dried on that contract. Yeah. Yeah. But, but this uh, 
this reboots a lot of things for the Braves. Um, it puts Buxton in center field if he can stay healthy. It puts Donaldson at third base if he can stay healthy. It puts Austin Riley in left field. It puts um, a combination of Guillermo Heredia and Abraham Almonte uh, uh, in right field. So you got Riley in left, um, Buxton in center, and whoever you want in, in, in right field. So I really like this idea. I really like, I've already said it before, I really like the idea of bringing Donaldson back. And it, you could look at this trade and say Donaldson, Donaldson's had kind of a resurgence in the past few weeks, so his, his value might be off a little bit. Um, but both of these guys come with injury caveats. And they also, Donaldson comes with a lot of uh, money. And if the Indians are going to sell anyway, I can't imagine they're going to get a lot for Donaldson. So getting back a a higher-end prospect like Drew Waters and an arm like Tucker Davidson could very well be something they're interested in. I think that this, I think the Twins definitely take this deal. I think that, I know you're not big on him, but I think Drew Waters is worth way too much to be in this trade. Uh, just because I think Donaldson drags down Buxton a lot in the in the value and in, in just what it's going to cost to just have them on their roster, uh, and it's it's nice to have those guys in the clubhouse and in the lineup, but it complicates things to have them on your roster and trying to make other moves. Um, right. So, uh, especially with Marcelo Zuna not taken care of yet, so I think that. I think there's. I mean, Donaldson has a 1.8 WAR on this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you if you look at him, he's still probably if he's healthy. And he and you know, I guess another thing I didn't. I mean, he's got 318 plate appearances. I mean, he's played 80 games. I mean, we're at the 100 game mark, so he's missed 20. So at 35 years old, he's essentially essentially what Chipper Jones would give you as far as games are concerned. Yeah, I I do wonder if he is going to be pivoting to first base or DH over the next few years. Um, Which would be totally fine, hopefully next year. Yeah. Um, I don't... I, I would take water... I mean, if... What if what if Minnesota said they'd do it for... Uh, Ender Enciarte and Mike Soroka? Well, you, they wouldn't. That's way too much. I mean, they, they would need to... Bucks. Then they would just do bucks in the long for somebody. You got to give them something. One. You got to give them one star prospect for sure. Um. I yeah. think uh, if well, you're going to deal bucks in. Yeah. Um. All right. Then instead of Soroka, um. Contreras is he a star prospect? I think you're I mean, looking at someone in that ten to fifteen million dollar range. I guess is what I'm getting at. Like not. I think. I think Waters is. Waters gets you Buxton uh, without Donaldson, probably. And right. Um, the the only reason they would package those two together is to is to use Buxton to get rid of Donaldson and just to clear a lot of money from their books. So, um, I know that you like this what we're acquiring for the Braves, but you also have to value like you also have to factor in like what Minnesota is getting out of it, which is they're getting a lot of freedom out of moving both those guys. So I would uh, not charge them quite as much for it, but it's, uh, it's not bad. What else you got? Well, 
I I I want a Jose Ramirez, but I've realized that I am being a bit contradictory here by throwing <laughs> this this uh this trade scenario up. So I'm gonna erase it. Um, Braves want Jose Ramirez. They're gonna have to pay a lot. Um, if you could get Jose Ramirez for if you could get Jose Ramirez for Drew Waters and Spencer Strider, you do it in a heartbeat. And then adding you know other guys like Bryce Wilson and Kyle Wright. But if you have to add you know Michael Harris to it, which I put in put in a fake scenario just now, then you just don't do it. But if you can if you can essentially go to each part of your prospect list and deal from one of them. For instance, if you could throw in William Contreras but keep Shea Langoliers. If you could throw in Tucker Davidson but keep Kyle Muller. If you could throw in Drew Waters but keep Chris and Pache. If you mm-hmm. I mean if you could go down those lines and still have a, a prospect to fill in those other other parts um, and you're betting on the one that that you keep then you could you could get Jose Ramirez. The Braves have a lot of stock in different positions, especially at pitching. I I just I don't know how um I don't know if the Indians um are going to I, I guess my question is do they need to trade Ramirez? Like shouldn't or is there I not on contending in the next couple years? I mean they're just talking about being open to trading him, and I think that there'll be like a big, a big oversell. But yeah, and, and so I guess my that's what leads me back to why are they going? Like, I think if you're if you're Cleveland in these negotiations, and you're like, well, these guys are going to be guardians one day. I I need, uh, I know you want to give me Waters instead of Pache or Harris, but we want Pache or Harris, and instead of Contreras, we want Langoliers, and instead of right. So I mean, because we don't need, we don't have to trade him right now. We've got you know, two more years of him, and two, these are two years where we'll be in contention, hopefully. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that's uh, it's tough to sell that trade to Cleveland, um, um, just because I don't feel like they're in the boat. They're they're in a place right now where they like need to trade Ramirez. Um, Otherwise, you really have to blow the blow their socks off, and I think we could have done that before Christian Pache uh, kind of crashed and burned with his first uh, attempt at Major League Baseball this year. I think that in the preseason right. he probably had that value, like uh, to right. to be the centerpiece. But right. now, now it's just like no matter where you turn in the system, it's either guys who have not proven it at a higher higher level. So it's like guys like Michael Harris, guys like, guys like Shady Langoliers who are breaking out, but they've broken out just over a three or four month span or it's guys whose value have diminished like Pache or waters uh, or Davidson even because of various reasons. Right. So, um, you know, I was thinking about this though. If you take Travis Darno and you put him back there, you're impro- That's an immediate improvement for what the Braves uh, have had. Um, then you go from there. Like, uh, what about, I mean, even if the Braves were to not like, go crazy at the trade deadline, but what if they get Darno back, they get Enoa back, and then they go and grab someone like Eduardo Escobar to put yeah. at third base and move Riley to the outfield? I mean, and what if they require like someone like Estrubal Cabrera who can actually get on base? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a there's another way to do this to where you're kind of straddling the fence and you're you're acquiring things that don't, 
cost an arm and a leg and still are acquiring, you know, depth in the lineup. And then you can go from there and, you know, acquire a few. Uh, it's the same thing they did with with Jack Peterson, basically getting him for, for nothing. Um, what about a trade for Wilson Contreras? I mean, I guess my question would be, why, if Darno's coming back? Yeah, I mean, Darno's, uh, he is coming back, but he is, he is uh, coming back from an injury. He was not very good at the start of the season. Right. He is also not signed for next year. And Contreras could potentially bridge uh, into next year as a, and... I don't it would know. be really cool to have Contreras brothers catching. It would be, you know, be, be kind of cool. That would be um, really cool. Unfortunately, I, mean, I think just, he's I think he's too valuable because I think he would cost something like uh, like a like Pache. Unfortunately, maybe uh, so. I think he he's a very I think he's a valuable catcher, and I think we, it would be a very costly acquisition. Um, but still, he's. He might be the most valuable trade asset that's available. That's like definitely available right now because the Cubs right. they'll, they'll trade anybody. Um, I do think you can literally just go to MLB Trade Rumors uh, list of twenty-two MLB free agents and just look at a lot of dudes that could just improve your team that wouldn't cost a lot. I mean, the Braves, like I said, could go and grab Adam Duvall. He would improve the team. He's a good defender. He's got like a seven seventy OPS. He hits a lot of home runs. They could get Eduardo Escobar, and that he would improve the team. They could get Astrubal Cabrera, and he could he could improve the team. I mean, there's a lot of people that they could grab that would improve the team, lengthen the. I mean, the biggest problem is just the fact that half of the lineup just can't hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go out there and get Jose Ramirez because he's an everyday player. I mean, if you're wanting to try to piece together a competition, you can go out there and get a few. I mean, look at who probably is our most valuable reliever this year and it's Jesse Chavez for crying out loud. <laughs> so there are people out there, there are players out there that they could go get and it wouldn't cost a lot of money that aren't seen as valuable and could be valuable to the, to this team. Uh, what about Michael Fulmer? Yeah. Another the guy. Tigers. What, That's a, Michael he, Fulmer, Michael Givens. He's converted to relief this year and he's not been great. I mean, it, it's a, it's a 4.05 ERA, but he's, um, his strikeouts have taken a, a rise. His walks have dipped. He's given up. Uh, I don't know. He, he, he's played pretty well. He's picked up six saves for the Tigers. He could be a right-handed reliever that just comes in. doesn't cost a ton in prospects. And he's under control for next year. You could trade them two prospects. You could give them, um, I mean, you could even, that's a guy you could build your Kyle Wright trade around if you're looking to get rid of Kyle Wright at some point. Kyle Wright and, uh, you know, another minor league prospect like a Freddie Tarnock or somebody who's who's not yet, who's kind sure. of moving into that like 10 to 20 range uh, on the prospect yeah. list, whether it's Vaughn Grissom or... Uh, Freddie Tarnock or, or someone in that range, package them with Kyle Wright for a year and a half of, of Michael Fulmer, and 
that lets you fix some problems for now, have something on the table for next year, and not give up anything super useful because I just don't I think this team is too far away from from having what it needs to uh, to really bank on this year so maybe so I still what? believe I still believe you can, you can they could go out and they could go out and grab you know two big guys or they could go out and grab five smaller guys I mean yeah. if you get rid of I mean if you just look at the 26 man roster at this point in time you can look down and be like there are five guys that I would not mind getting rid of I mean call them out right now Pablo Sandoval one who else uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to mind it if they get rid of Sean Newcomb. He's on the roster. I mean, would you mind it if they traded Sean Newcomb for Eduardo Escobar or Sean Newcomb for Astrubal Cabrera? No, I'm not going to mind if they if anybody wants Sean Newcomb at this point. But, I mean, if you're the Diamondbacks and you've got Astrubal Cabrera who signed for $3 million and basically is worth nothing to them, would you take Sean Newcomb back to... to I mean, to to give him a shot at a rotation. If He's a live arm that's been... If that's the only thing on the table, yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, it's it's not just that. I mean, if you... Oh, Josh Tomlin. Are we still playing this game? Josh Tomlin. Yeah, Orlando Arcia. I mean, I, Orlando Arcia was a great idea. Mm-hmm. I really like the idea. His swing looked fixed. It's it's just not working out. Yeah. But is there some team that out, out there... Would the Diamondbacks be okay with taking Orlando Arcia back to they got him under control for twenty twenty till twenty twenty three to see if the swing can come back? Who knows? I mean, Maybe. but there's just a lot of these guys that the Braves could just deal mm-hmm. and get one year players just to plug a hole and see if it works. And if it doesn't, and that's the thing. So be that's it. the thing. I I don't think the Braves need to necessarily trade their big prospects right now because the Braves have an overabundance of these kind of players caught in between, in between being prospects and in between being failures kind of at the major league level, like uh, the, where the, the Kyle Wright range right. of our organization. We just have so many of these guys. Either that or we have a lot of minor league prospects that are maybe fringy. They're not fringy as prospects, but they're fringy on like what you can bank on at the major league level. And I'll just use guys like, like I already mentioned, like Grissom and Tarnock, these these we I feel like we have a lot of these guys who are kind of at that value range where it's eh this isn't going to be anybody's top prospect, but every organization could use someone, and every organization would love to have one of these guys. Um, right. We just have so many guys like that, and we don't have that many like sure thing elite prospects at this point. I think we it starts to it starts to really uh, get weak after the top four. I think. Um, top four yeah. or five. So, um, so yeah, I would just trade in a year where making the playoffs is really no sure thing. Even if you added Jose Ramirez and even if you added um, Joey Gallo, I I would just focus on um, making some small additions to the team and just seeing if the Mets can crumble. You just want to be there. You just want to be there where you can make something of it if the Mets kind of fall apart. Sure. I would I wouldn't focus as much on on trying to catch the Mets at their best because I think that's a tall order. I think what we want to do is just be good enough to catch the Mets at their worst, if if that makes right. sense. Right. 
Right, so adding somebody like Estrubal Cabrera, Eduardo Escobar, and let's say yeah. Ryan Tapera. Yeah, who's, sure. Who's having a great year. You you add those three guys, you subtract your worst, you 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 move Riley to outfield for a little bit to see how it works out. You you strengthen third base. Uh, you've got a platoon or whatever. You got a great pinch hitter. You get rid of people that just aren't working out. I mean, what what would have happened? I mean, what is what is Sandoval? Is he one for his last twenty eight? <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. It's I don't know. And he it's continues just... to get pinch hit in, in high leverage situations. Yeah. That is baffling. Yeah. <laughs> it's I don't know. Ba- He's, and then even it, even take Adam Duvall and add to that mix. Grab grab Adam yeah. Duvall. He's not going to cost you anything. Those are four guys that will literally cost you prospects you're never going to miss. And and they could really help. Yeah, I mean, fact, an, another. Uh, well, yeah. Anyway, Duvall's about three point six on here. So yeah, he's not going to cost much. He's he is you know Kyle Wright and. Uh, Mackie Backstrom for Adam Duvall. Yeah. I don't um, even think he calls Kyle Wright. Yeah, maybe not. But, uh, I mean, anyway. Eduardo Escobar has a 783 OPS, a 2.1 war this year. He's going to be a free mm-hmm. agent next year. He might cost you a little bit. Astrubal Cabrera has a 726 OPS, but that's still, I mean, you, as a switch hitter, you'd take that off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Duvall, 768. I mean, these guys aren't elite guys, but you're not, you don't have to go and get elite if you get four or five. You can get one or two for value, or you can go out and get three or four for, once again, it's kind of the way, I think, the way Anthopolis operates. And it's not necessarily about putting it all in one. It's like, okay, let's, let's not go get one. Let's go get three. I mean, that's what he did with the relievers. He went out and got Shane Green. And Mark Melanson and who else? You got three at that, and Chris Martin. Chris Martin at that deadline. So what? Who, what? What would have happened if he'd went out and just got one stud? You know, right? And the Braves have how many more days? They've got uh, roughly three more days to really, uh, three more games maybe to to play, uh, play their way into uh, more of a buyer status, but. I don't really see it happening. I, I, my guess is for what actually will happen is the Braves will do more Jock Peterson type additions, which is just low cost, uh, low cost trades that just try to try to plug some holes in minor ways. But um, I don't see them investing heavily into this team, and I also don't see them having really enough to sell to to tear it down. So. That's my guess. Um, all right, we done? We're done, man. All right, well, it was a long podcast, but uh, thanks for bearing with us with all the trade talk. And uh, please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at BaldHeadedWonder. It's the number one dirt. And at Brent Blackwell. Uh, Ryan, anything else you want to you wanna pitch on here? And that is the end of our podcast. Thanks, Chip. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yeah, so... Uh, and Brent's leaning way back in his chair, and he didn't fall. He just came back. 
that that's the perfect chip call right there. So. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, I enjoyed it as always, and um, yeah. Until until next time. Oh, I should probably pitch that I have a Braves newsletter that focuses on transactions called Brave Moves. Yes. Yeah, it's at bravemoves.substack.com. So following in the steps of David Lee. Um, it's just a place where I can kind of write at my own pace the way I like to. And uh, I'm not, not leaving Talking Chop necessarily, but uh, I'm, I'm writing my transaction column in a way that uh, I can't get it out fast enough for Talking Chop. That's basically why I'm, I'm doing this. I can't. The, they do breaking news there, and I'm not a breaking news uh, speed person. I, you're kind of a you're a marathon guy, not a sprinter. I, I let things. I gotta let. I gotta put a. Tr- if we get the Braves make a trade, I gotta put it in the fridge overnight. And let it marinate a little bit. <laughs> and then Brent pulls up to marination station. Brent, can I tell you a few bad, bad dad jokes before we leave? Uh, sure. Okay. Knock knock. Uh, who's there? Control freak. Control freak. Can you go ahead and say control freak? That's good. <laughs> Uh, what kind of, uh, desserts do prostitutes make? Uh, I don't know. Homemade desserts? <laughs> so, so these aren't getting better. <laughs> you're going, you're going, we started with the best and we're going downhill. Why are, uh, peppers so nosy? <sighs> Why? They get jalapeno business. <laughs> You know, that's one that I, sh- I should remember. That one's going to have... I'm going to get some good use out of that. Okay, what about... Uh, what what kind of exercise do uh, lazy people do? What's that? Diddly squats. <laughs> I really pray that no one is still listening to this point. They've just, like, turned it off. They've just given up. Uh, but if you haven't... You know, it's a real heavy podcast, you know? Yeah. Um, if, if for some reason you're still listening, thank you.